Man, the Oklahoma's going to be the next Nebraska take. I, that gets people going, doesn't it? I hate just, it. It really is enraging, though, because basically what you're saying is OU's going to suck for an extended period of time. Like, you're not saying Oklahoma will be, oh, middle of the pack. Like, if you're saying OU's going to be Nebraska, you're saying that OU's going to be a bottom third SEC team. Yeah. That's who Nebraska has been. Nebraska has been terrible. Terrible. Save for, like, one year at the end of its Big 12 stay. I don't know why we, or whoever, or I know started it, but why we started this conversation. Why the conversation started? Because Cowherd and others have I know, been I putting know. it out there like it's going to happen. That's the first the time, yeah, when I, that's the first time I heard and, it was from Colin Cowherd. And... Again, it's uh, what do they say for? Let me let me Google this so I can do this correctly. Stages of grief. Okay, so I can report this accurately to you: anger, acceptance, sadness, depression, denial, shock, bargaining, guilt, complicated grief disorder. This is a bunch of things that <laughs> popped up here. I don't know if that's all stages of grief, but uh, at any rate, makes sense. Yeah, bargaining is one of the stages. Correct. So there's anger. And I don't know if there's really been an acceptance stage for Big 12 schools. And part of it, it's bargaining for Big 12 schools. So why has this started? It's because, you know, other schools want Oklahoma to pay this price for jumping to the SEC, right? And the idea is here's the price they're going to pay. They won't be Oklahoma as you've known Oklahoma. And I think the reality is they might get better. I think they might become Alabama or Georgia, and I can't wait for that to happen, for everybody around here to get to rub every other Big 12 fan's nose in it that wanted to paint this picture that Oklahoma is going to become irrelevant, for instead the opposite to happen in Oklahoma to turn into this uh, juggernaut like they were at times in the 70s and 80s, and uh, obviously uh, you know with uh, with Bud and company too. So we that's can, my hope for We it. can come back to the take and say, we told you so, not turning into Nebraska. Sooner, Sooner Gundy says, I'm tired of people comparing OU to Nebraska. Norman isn't in that middle of a cornfield and 1,500 miles away from a good recruiting state. Yeah, which... <laughs> and Nebraska just... Dude, high school football-wise, they just don't produce any good recruits. You've got Bellevue West that uh, is starting to churn out a couple of guys here or there, but yeah, I mean, it's not. Obviously, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metro or Houston or... California, Ohio, on and on and on and on. It's just not a sexy spot for high recruits anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's tough though. Hey, Matt Rule looks like he's off to a good start. It does. Yes, it does. Looks, I think that's a perfect fit. I like. I'm a big Matt Rule guy. I think that's a good fit. For he him. Uh, recruiting wise is already doing better than uh, what Scott Frost did. So, a uh, bunch of good text on that. We'll hit those in just a little bit. And you know, obviously. Again, it gets Oklahoma fans feeling some kind of way because you're talking about basically OU's about to become irrelevant. But we got to do the top five stories of the day, as we always do, to begin our number three. And it is the top five stories of the day presented by Newcastle Casino. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. Yes, let's go, let's go. Let's go to Newcastle Casino. 
Best reels in the metro. Happy hour Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. Conveniently located off I-44, exit 107. 14 table games including blackjack, three-card poker, ultimate Texas Hold'em, and Baccarat. NewcastleCasino.com. Again, uh, brings us the top five stories of the day, which uh, begins in the NBA with big story number five. Number five. Uh, you tell me, this uh, does this move the needle here for you? Josh Hart is reportedly finalizing a four-year, $81 million extension with the New York Knicks. Uh, this uh, via his agents uh, reporting to CAA Sports and ESPN. Sides, uh, both sides working through the final details today and once fully complete, Hart uh, is set to continue his participation with Team USA en route to the FIBA World Cup. Let's see here. He will be eligible to sign tomorrow, and it would deliver him a total of $94 million through the 27-28 season. The $81 million is the maximum that Hart can sign for and is 140% of his $12.96 million that he's due uh, this upcoming season. 18.1 that uh, he would be due in 24-25. Not, not a bad deal. It just blows my mind now in the NBA. Some of – dude, there be some role players that make up to 100 mil nowadays. Knicks, by the way, are the fourth team in Hart's six-year NBA career. That began with the Lakers. Man, he's been – yeah, he's been everywhere. And uh, now, now he uh, apparently is about to go get paid. The, uh, the big news – I guess earlier this week, right, was uh, Anthony Davis making his uh, big bag of cash, which, you know, to me that's the, the obvious move for the Lakers is build keep around – Ant- yeah, yeah, keep uh, – build around Anthony Davis. I would – if I was them, I would – I mean, you tell me, is it crazy to think about trying to move on from LeBron James or do you roll that thing out for a couple more seasons? Yeah, I mean, you're in a tough spot like later on in LeBron James's career and – feel like it matters what LeBron wants to well, in that point of his career. And I don't know that there's nothing real breaking, I don't think, to report on the Thunder. So there, there you go. That's your NBA update. We uh, did our due diligence today. How about that? Wow. Round of applause. <laughs> Round of applause. Uh, which gets us to big story number four. Number four. So this, uh, this is actually from a couple of days ago, but Jenna Lane is entrenched with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I thought, well, I mean, you tell me how much you're buying into this. This is her report from a couple of days ago on Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask in a competition with the Buccaneers. Michelle, Bucks offensive coordinator Dave Canales last week confirmed what we all were seeing in practice, that compared to eight weeks ago, this quarterback competition has tightened considerably. In fact, the last few days, Trask has actually performed, outperformed Baker Mayfield. And Mayfield had a rough go at it there for a few days. In fact, he's up to seven interceptions now compared to Trask's one. However, I will say that Baker's also made a lot more plays than Trask. You will also see him taking more chances in practice. He will throw to Devin Tompkins in double 
coverage for 50 plus yards and actually make that shot in the Bucks indoor facility a couple days ago. He is more likely to take chances downfield, try new things in practice, whereas Trask has been a little more conservative. You haven't seen him hit those deep shots, but he's not having the turnovers. He's often checking down or scrambling. And so I asked head coach Todd Bowles about that because one thing I've heard from some of the folks in Cleveland is that Baker does tend to perform better under the lights. And I asked Bowles, well, how do you weigh the way guys are performing in practice versus games? And he said, it's not one or the other. It's all cumulative. But I talked to Baker and he admitted he did not have his best days of practice. He said he really needed to get back to his basics, really hone in on his fundamentals, particularly his footwork. There you go. Well, what do you make of that? Well, that's just the big thing now for Baker in his NFL career is being able to take care of the football. It sounds like he's not doing that in some of the practices right now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But we know you're going to get some really good plays from Baker. It's been a hit or miss for him uh, right now. I hope he picks it up. And, yeah, I want to see him be the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, not Kyle Trask. I think that Baker Mayfield absolutely will be the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, at least to start. And, okay, you can tell me that there's some sort of a competition between Trask and you got a young quarterback there in Trask, but I just uh, – I- I'm going to believe that one when I see it. And <laughs> need I take you back five, six years ago, however long it was, that there was uh, somebody named Patrick Mahomes that was throwing way – oh, my gosh, he's, he's – all he's doing is throwing interceptions <laughs> in camp. And then, I don't know, now he's – tracking to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So I typically don't get real caught up when people tell me that guys are throwing interceptions in practice where uh, you're trying to, I don't know, <laughs> practice different plays yeah. and uh, attempt different things. And I'm not trying to make an excuse for Baker, but using those one-on-one drills, I mean, you're told not to throw the ball away. So you got to throw it up and make a play for your wide receiver. But Kyle Trask only one interception, but is he really making like any big plays during the camp for – Tampa Bay, we'll wait and find out. Well, I think the most important thing that we heard there from Jen Lane was, oh, by the way, all the big plays are <laughs> Baker from Mayfield. Baker, yeah. Right. Which is not surprising with it, Kyle Trask. He's making some mistakes, but guess what? The, the biggest plays are, are with uh, Baker under center. So interesting. I, I you know thought that was uh, something that Sooner fans would want to hear. Uh, elsewhere around the National Football League, Jonathan Taylor has left training camp and is rehabbing an ankle injury off-site. So all-pro running back Jonathan Taylor has left the the Colts training camp. And then what do you make of all of this with, uh, man, Ron Rivera, he said again here, quote, I put my foot in my mouth, end quote, in regards to the Eric Bieniemy comments. I'm trying to think what else has happened with Ron Rivera the last uh. couple of years. It seems like lately he has – he said some things with the media, and then, oh, I shouldn't have said that. i I, I got to backtrack that. Like, either say it with your chest or stop throwing people under the bus. What did he say, Ron Rivera? He, he was asked about players coming forth and basically saying that they, you know, flat out haven't really liked Eric B. Enemy so far as the offensive coordinator. He's too hard on us or uh, this or that. Basically that there was some tension – between Bienemy and his offensive players. And Ron Rivera was like, yeah, offensive players have come to me and complained about Eric Bienemy. 
which is probably in no way, shape, or form unusual anywhere in the National Football League, whether it's at Washington with the Commanders or with the reigning Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs or with the Buffalo Bills or anywhere in the National Football League. Guess what? You're talking about grown men with egos, and if it's an offensive coordinator, a quarterback's coach, a defensive coordinator, a linebacker's coach, there's big egos at play, and I'm here to tell you, not everybody gets along all the time. No, there's going to be some tensions. doesn't matter who you are. It's the National Football League. Sometimes that'll happen if it's to your offensive coordinator. And yet, when Ron Rivera gets asked about it by the media, hey, has anybody come up and come to your office complaining about Eric Bieniemy? Typically, the answer in the media is not, yeah, I've gotten some complaints. <laughs> Typically, it's, ah, nah, everything's going great, right? Typically, you try to mitigate any of that. And well, Ron it, Rivera it didn't do that. Yeah, don't get the word out to the media. So yesterday, S- Rivera said to the media, yes, that some players were concerned about Bienemy's coaching style. Let's see here. Uh, here's what he said now. Quote, I hired Eric, and I loved his overall message to the team his first day, that we have to learn to be comfortable when you're uncomfortable. With guys on that side of the ball, they were uncomfortable. There's been a lot of change in the entire way of doing things has changed on the offensive side. Change is hard. Since those conversations took place with Eric and the players, I've seen the improvements. The last couple practices have probably been the best of training camp. That displays how the teams embrace the message and how he does things and how he wants things done, end quote. Well, maybe the relationships will get better. It's trying to understand more than anything else. Eric has an open door, and guys came in and talked to him, and they're starting to see results. Guys aren't fighting it now. They just wanted to know why, end quote. Huh. <laughs> Which, again, you know, it's just tell everyone this is not unusual. It's the National Football League. These things happen. Not everybody with a new voice totally gets along. And you know what? Probably uh, at the end of the thing, there's going to be one or two guys that flat out just don't like Eric Bieniemy because guess what? In any workplace, some people don't like their boss. Some people love their boss, right? Some people don't like one co- coworker. Other people love said coworker, and everybody has to find a way to make it work. So <laughs> just, probably just come together. They're grown men. Probably the moral of the story here is yes, Ron Rivera, you did put your foot in your mouth a little bit. <laughs> but if you're gonna do that, then just stand behind it. Yeah. And there, my friends, is a look around the National Football League. Oh, and something little. I saw that Anthony Richardson, the Colts quarterback, is going to be playing at, was it 255? 255? If I'm not mistaken. I didn't know he got that. I don't know how much he weighed at uh, Florida. So he is, uh, how you say, built. That's a big quarterback. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Hey, how about some college football nuggets that do not involve realignment with big story number three? Number three. Uh, You tell me, good deal, bad deal, okay? Georgia Tech has announced field naming rights, a deal that they've uh, gotten accomplished. The Georgia Georgia Board of Regents announced uh, yesterday that Hyundai – will pay Georgia Tech approximately $55 million over 20 years for naming rights to uh, Georgia Tech, which uh, Bobby Dodd's, Bobby Dodd Stadium at Hyundai Field is uh, now the naming rights agreement, the uh, home of Georgia Tech football. Good deal, bad deal? 
if you're giving me that much money, yes, it's good. Well, good just, for just so, Tech, right? just so I could change. Yeah. Is it a good deal for Hyundai is what I'm asking I you. don't know. <laughs> We're about to find out how good this team is and if it looks good on their side. Because I would say the last 20 years are an indication that, <laughs> you know, there might be a better way to spend $55 million. But, no, we'll go on Georgia Tech. Hopefully they put some good seasons together. Good on Georgia Tech side. Georgia Tech, uh, I would not categorize as a sleeping giant. No. but They, hey, they, have, they have gone away from the triple option, right? They have, yes. Yeah. They, they finally They're have. They're trying uh, to change some things up. And meanwhile, I mean, didn't he get the head coach fired? <laughs> yes, it It's did. like he, yeah. he tried to change things, and then it, it didn't work, and now I think he's gone. Uh, one, one other news and nugget here that's not realignment related. Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith is retiring. Uh, at the end of this year, he announced this morning that uh, the the Buckeyes head man, he's been in charge of the department since March of 2005, stepping down effective June 30th, 2024. So uh, Gene Smith announcing that in a press conference this morning. Uh, you tell me. I mean, obviously we're not inundated with uh, Ohio State news at all times, so I don't know if this is sort of expected or surprising. That's a big opening, though. And uh, you tell me, I mean, is that any sort of a shockwave that could happen for college football elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, it's a little shocking to me to see, especially at a big time or a big program like Ohio State for uh, an AD to get out. And I don't know if that's something that does it really does it affect Ohio State? I know they'll either way they'll get someone uh, good to come in. Well, yeah, it affects Ohio State. <laughs> it's the athletic director now. They're in. Arguably the first, you know, take your pick, right? Uh, first or second most successful, stable conference right here, right now. Nothing's happening to the Big Ten or the SEC. They're both in a great spot. Ohio State has that financial security. They're one of the biggest brands in the sport. Uh, you know, outside of a football coach that suddenly can't be Michigan the last two years and hasn't won a national championship, though I would tell you was one one field goal try away from maybe winning the national championship last season. They gave Georgia as good of a, you know, a run for their money as anybody. Ohio State's in a pretty good spot. So that's uh, as coveted of a gig as it's going to get out there. Very interesting. Yeah, maybe the AD just got pissed off that Ohio State, that Coach Day couldn't beat Michigan these last two years. <laughs> I don't think so, Wanted to man. get out the door. I think he says, I've got this <laughs> fat bag of cash that I'm yeah. going to try to enjoy. See you guys. Big story number two. Number two. <laughs> Realignment. Let's get you updated on some of that. Sankey, we played it off the top, but if you missed it, uh, we'll uh, revisit some of what the SEC commish sounded off and had to say yesterday with Feinbaum on these subjects such as, hey, is uh, the SEC, where are you at in all of this? Are you adding or, uh, well, you're not subtracting, but are you adding anyone or what what do you make of just the, the general moves out there in college football? What does it mean? Big thoughts was what it could mean on the college football playoff. And then, of course, big story numero uno. Number one. Number one. Number one. Big story, of course, is uh, Oklahoma camp. We had uh, a little bit of a scare earlier this week, but got good news. that uh, Nothing to freak out about with Gavin Sachuk. And so uh, we continue our... Our camp notes right here on the Plank Show. We'll pass more of the post-practice conversation along to you. 
as we move along here in hour number three, of course, that, my friends, the Newcastle Casino top five stories of the day. Best reels in the Metro. Happy hour Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. Conveniently located off I-44, exit 107. 14 table games, including blackjack, three-card poker, ultimate Texas Hold'em, and Baccarat. Visit them online, newcastlecasino.com. Let's take a T.O. Let's uh, share again a little bit of what Sankey had to say on all this realignment craziness and then continue our camp coverage presented by Neutral Vodka Seltzer right here on The Ref. He's Connor Pasby. I'm Josh Helmer. We call this the Plank Show, minus, of course, one uh, integral part of this, which is Chris Plank, who's vacationing. But the show must go on, baby, and we'll do that next right here on the Home of Student Fans. Back with you. It's the Plank Show. Man, the uh, text line's been awesome today. Ref Army, you are you are mighty, mighty on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line 405-651-3439. And hour number three, by the way, for us is brought to us by Mop and Roofing. They got us covered, Oklahoma, locally owned and operated, fully insured, licensed, and bonded Mop and Roofing. Serving all of Oklahoma has been in business for over 35 years, 405-703-3843. So do we just rip the Band-Aid off and do the uh, <laughs> do the full, hey, anybody that's doing the OU Nebraska comparison is a moron? Yes. Okay, I so, think so. Here's, uh, here's a little bit of what everybody had to say out there about just that. From uh, the Sioux City Sooner. No. Oklahoma will not be like Nebraska and suck for 23 years and soon 24. That's the thing. It's been bad for Nebraska. Not just lately for a long time, ever since the departure of the Big 12th. And you mentioned not playing good football uh, those last two years before they left. From the 5-1-2, become like Nebraska equals horrible? Yeah, I don't think we'll ever be that bad. Mustang Casey, saying OU is going to be the next Nebraska is just admitting how weak your own team is. OU can dominate the Big 12 but won't be able to compete in the SEC? Doesn't make sense. Spot on, Mustang Casey. Uh, 757, why do you let cow turd live rent-free in your head? That is from the uh, Honolulu Sooner. Just, just like pointing out the stupid stuff that he says on his show. Well, and in case you missed it, by the way, we we had a phone call in hour number one from and don't attack the caller from uh, Ron from Kansas that was it Ron or Rod well either way from Kansas and basically it was a K-State fan that was saying hey what do you make of this talk that OU is going to become the Nebraska the SEC so that that's why uh, this topic has come up again today Uh, 405 Nebraska lost their recruiting base in Texas that is true they haven't been able to get the big time players from uh, Texas and recruiting just hasn't been very good for Nebraska. The complete opposite of what OU is doing on the recruiting trail. Jimmy, uh, all local media and ones around the Oklahoma program that talked down to this year. I get six and seven sucked, but did we really think last year we were playing for a national championship? We lost a lot, and BV gave players a choice. We now have 68, I think you all said, uh, newcomers are first or year or second. That's been here two years. That helps a lot. And we are recruiting better than ever. I believe in BV. Let's wait and see. But I bet we win 10 or more. Sorry for the long uh, king text. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> but, I mean, just going back to last year, I mean, the first few games, I know after uh, Nebraska there was a lot of national media 
attention for OU. But, man, after that Kansas State game, then we came back down to reality and we're like, okay, there's some, there's some holes on this team that we got to fix. From uh, Douglas Miles, the key point the naysayers miss is that Nebraska was forced to find new recruiting pipelines, whereas Oklahoma will not only maintain its traditional recruiting hotbed of Texas, but will also greatly enhance its overall recruiting prowess by having the SEC patch on its jersey. Ding, ding, ding. I mean, that's it right there, right? Yeah, the, well, the, yeah. the recruiting's just going to take another another step for Oklahoma. They're going to be able to get, yeah, man, just so many guys, not just the state of Texas, but out there in the West Coast, too, just because you're playing in the SEC. From the 5-8-0, what the SEC really needs to do is remove Vandy and Mizzou and replace them with Clemson and Florida State. Hey, yep, make better competitions uh, for football. Well, Vandy was is always looking towards uh, baseball in the SEC, which they weren't very good last year. That was the only sport that Vanderbilt kind of looks forward to. Uh, this is from Pastor Andy, NBA. <laughs> Pretty good. We know that Kyle Trask can throw interceptions. See Cotton Bowl against the Sooners. First play of the game, pick six. <laughs> Norwood. <laughs> yes. And remember, it was uh, well, this, shortly after we had pick number two, right in the first quarter. Yeah, and then he was done. He's, <laughs> I'm off to the NFL. Hope you guys enjoyed the uh, the curtain call here. Oh, that was that was a good, that was a good game. To uh, to camp we go, or or would you like a little recap on some of what Sankey had to say? Let's do that since I I teased it. Here was uh, wait for it here. Mute that so you don't get that awful buzz noise. Here was what SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey said about uh, the CFP because, well, he was he was asked about it with with uh, Feinbaum yesterday. Now that uh, you've got all of this shuffling around, I mean, what what does what does all of it mean? Well, you can imagine there are a few thoughts. You know, one I, I go back to well, probably early August twenty one, and there was an alliance formed and announced in a in a Zoom press conference. Uh, and then quickly went into meetings and everything stopped. I think looking back, that was really unfortunate and unnecessary. And there wasn't a great deal of clarity around the why. Uh, the presidents re-engaged uh, last year. I think probably you and I had a conversation in August about uh, the renewed potential for the CFP format to be considered and expanded. Uh, that happened. You may recall one of the, the reasons I gave as commissioner of the Southeastern Conference is even here in the SEC, we wanted college football to be strong nationally. And we've not seen uh, a West of the Rockies participant in the playoff since, I believe, 2016. And, and so the expansion was about making sure we brought in Western football. Well, now what's happened is Western football has come into other conferences. Uh, the net of that is circumstances have changed, and I think it's it's wise for us to take a step back and reconsider uh, what the format might look like given these changed circumstances. So there you go. Uh, he, he's saying, let me translate again, and he's saying, yeah, we're, we're not going to give out a, an automatic bid to the Pac-4 or whatever whatever league that is, if it's um, a merger with the Mountain West, whatever it may be. We need to recalibrate what the automatic bids look like because, remember, 12-team playoff coming in 2024, the way it was set up, the four highest conference champions automatic 
into the quarterfinals, so not uh, a part of the first round on-campus dates, but top six conference champions would get in, which basically guaranteed that uh, all of the Power Fives plus one group of five champion would be into the playoff and then six other at-larges. Probably uh, that's going to that's gonna change going forward. Well, and that's going to be on Oklahoma's favor, the uh, seven, six, seven at-large bids. And we know there's going to be quite a few coming from uh, the SEC for the playoffs. And meanwhile, of course, uh, Paul Feinbaum asked, hey, what's going on with expansion for the SEC? How does that work? Do you have a wall built up where folks can't can't get to you unless you're really, really serious? And Sankey said, well, eh, there are always there's always modes of communication. No, there's not a wall. Um, and, and I'll offer this, whether it's acknowledged, there's a respect for our, our colleague conferences. Um, there was plenty of criticism back in 2021 at the surprise nature of our Oklahoma and Texas announcement. Yet from that point forward, uh, we and those two universities and our entire conference has sought to be orderly in, in the process and respectful in our communication. And I think we've done that. Um, I, I've opined publicly that I think the, the speculation and some of the pronouncements we've seen since that time about growth or directional growth uh, is problematic. And, and even for me, uh, with the security of the Southeastern Conference, whether it was Friday afternoon or through the day Saturday fielding phone calls, which really were more uh, conversations, what do you think's happening? There's nobody calling me, um, it, you know, seeking or demanding entry, a lot of commentary publicly. You know, it just wasn't one of those great feelings to work in college sports in, in my experience. Um, and again, I take responsibility where we've made moves, but there was something different last week um, about really the still questions around the existence of the Pac-12 conference, given its its long and storied history. So that's kind of interesting, right? <laughs> something different about last week. Well, well, how everything happened with the Pac-12 so, you know, I think in a perfect world, if I'm listening to that and if that's to be believed as fact, right, that there's, you know, because, look, I, let's get it. Uh, Sankey is a smart, smart businessman, and he understands that there's value to be gained from a Notre Dame or a Clemson or a Florida State or in a different world in Ohio State, Michigan, being a part of the SEC. But, uh, you know, I, I – I'm going to take him at face value that it almost sounds like Sankey was was kind of hoping that they could just stop at 16. That OU Texas, they'd be done. There'd be your ACC, your Big Ten. Pac-12 would have survived. That USC, UCLA wouldn't be in the Big Ten. And yet, obviously, uh, the tectonic plates have uh, kept shifting. All right, back to camp coverage when we return next. As uh, that's big, big story number one. And we got... Two more segments to go here with you. Plank Show, hour number three, presented by Mop and Roofing, Atio, and we're back after this. Camp coverage presented by Vodka, by Neutral Vodka Seltzer, presented by Vodka, presented by Vodka, uh, presented by Neutral Vodka Seltzer, with real juice, 100 calories, and zero added sugar. It's deliciously clean, light, and refreshing taste that uh, that you want and neutral vodka seltzer you can get that at any of your local liquor stores or ask for it by name at your favorite bar 
or restaurant. Captain Willard says, yes, please. All the camp audio we can get. Bring ask, it, baby. Ask and, uh, and you shall receive. How about a little bit of Desan McCullough from a couple of days ago? Desan McCullough, somebody that's expected to be this step right in, difference maker from uh, Indiana, transfers in, comes over, and should be potentially a star for OU at Cheetah. But enough of me. Here's Desan. First few days of camp, just how's it feel to, to be back and be in the swing of things? Oh, it feels amazing just, you know, whenever we can get these pads back on and get back to hitting and back to being out here with the guys and getting our you know getting our chemistry back up. It's great. It's a great feeling. How more confident or comfortable do you feel maybe compared to the spring after a few available. months? That's a great – yeah, I mean, I feel a lot more confident coming out here having uh, the whole spring behind me and the whole summer too. We were doing a lot in the summer, so I feel a lot more comfortable in my play and playing out in space and covering. What, what was your focus in summer? Uh, really just to work on my footwork covering. Uh, I'd say Indiana to here, the biggest jump was uh, the coverage aspect of things and how much more coverage I'm doing. So I just really wanted to hone in and focus on that this summer and also put on a little bit of weight. I was talking last week about guys making plays, and he said he admitted he's got a pretty high, uh, pretty high uh, mark for you guys defensively. But are you starting to see defensive guys make plays out there? Oh yeah, I mean especially today. I mean there was a lot of young guys out there making plays, like Phil Pachotti, uh Lewis Carter. There was a lot of guys making plays today, and I feel like that's just what's going to come as they keep getting more comfortable in the system. I mean you see guys getting more comfortable now, so they're playing with more confidence. How important is that for a defense to have guys that, you know, maybe if a play doesn't go exactly right, you should go out and still make something happen? Oh, I mean, it's huge just to have 11 guys on the field who can stay level-headed, uh, not get too high, not get too low. I mean, it's a huge thing for us. Desan, during the spring, I know you were moving around kind of to different positions mm -hmm. on the defense. Maybe after a few months, how much more confident, comfortable are you in the defense scheme? A lot more confident, yeah. I feel a lot more confident in the checks and the calls. Um, I'm going to start moving around positions here soon again, so uh, I'm excited for that, obviously. And any way I can help us win at any position, I'll be ready for it. How much different is this scheme compared to other ones you've been in? Uh, I'd say that the competitive depth here is uh, crazy, really. I mean, we got dudes that can play any position, and we got four deep of each of them. So, I mean, we got guys on guys, and that's with offense included. So I really say the competitive depth. You mentioned that depth. What have you seen from Justin Harrington, and how, how different has he looked here? Some oh, back. yeah, I mean. By the way, just real quick, <laughs> jump in here. Can you get me a bell? And anytime we hear competitive depth, I'll just, yeah. ring the bell for us. So that was a two count and one saying right there from Sal Macola. Or like. I don't know. We get you. I'm hearing it from different guys now, too. It's first, not, time, first time I'm hearing it from Hassan. Not acceptable, I don't think, for you to be in studio having neutral vodka seltzer, our OU camp uh, coverage <laughs> sponsor. But uh, uh, if you're playing that game at home, neutral vodka seltzer, take a drink every time you hear competitive death. But, okay, here was uh, Desan McCola on Mr. Justin Harrington. Justin's a freak, and I mean, he's came out the camp ready to go. I mean, this is a dude 6'3", 215, that can cover like a corner, really. So, I mean, he's an impressive dude, and the dude I take a lot of notes from myself coverage-wise. So, I mean, me and him going back and forth is going to be a great combination. Are there any other older players on the team who have kind of taken you under their wing as mentors? Oh, yeah, for sure. Justin Harrington uh, for sure has, especially with him being a cheetah. Uh, he just helped me out with a lot with like the footwork and like really getting to know like the uh, the why for like why we do everything and like why we're lined up like this and and things of that nature. So I say he's been the biggest um, probably like older older guy to help me out. You mentioned that cheetah position. Just mm -hmm. how much more 
confident have you come in, in learning that position and, and maybe being able to play it? Oh yeah, no, I feel very confident playing it. Uh, I feel like if I had a game today that I feel like I can make it work. <laughs> um, but that, that that's uh, just, you know, words of, from Coach V, Coach Roof. I mean, without those guys' help during this whole entire summer, that wouldn't have been possible. This spring, I started off really slow and just learning that process. So now being able to be here in camp day four, I feel so much more confident than I did day four spring ball, so for sure. You talked about moving positions within the defense. Mm -hmm. Could you foresee that happening like within a single series or moving around that yeah, much? Yeah, I can see it happening within a, a series, yeah. I mean, in between a couple plays. I mean, it could really, it could really switch quick. I mean, I don't want to say too much, but I mean, obviously, as it goes on, you guys will see, but it could, it could change around a lot. What's the challenge in that? I mean, you obviously maybe haven't done it as much as mm -hmm. you're going to, but what do you sense is the challenge in that? Um, I don't really know. I did, it, uh, I did it a good amount at IU, and obviously in high school, I played about anywhere on defense, so it really doesn't like feel like anything to me except what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. When I came here with Coach V, this is what we talked about doing, is me playing these different positions. So this is kind of what I signed up for, so I'm ready for it. Is it Fun to hear from Desan McCola from the 913 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. The uh, number, by the way, for you to chime in if you're listening and you, well, wait a second, how the heck do I chime in with these guys on the text line? 405-651-3439. Out of the uh, 913 in Kansas, any legitimate comparison of McCola to being like a potential Micah Parsons, how he moves around and plays multiple positions and techniques? Yeah. I mean, that's that's a lofty comparison, obviously. Yeah, built-wise, I mean, Hassan has a little more length and a little bit leaner than uh, Micah Parsons. He's not a stick. No, R not, not right? a stick with two Cs. But, uh, yeah, with two Cs. But uh, he's he can do a lot of different things. I, I know where you're coming from by asking that question. The uh, ability to get out and cover, to to be a backer. Uh, for Oklahoma, both a linebacker and a defensive backer, and uh, and to rush the passer. I mean, so yeah. he, uh, you know, I don't know who you'd uh, compare him to, but he's got a chance to be pretty special given just the, the fact that he does so many different things. And, you know, based on the spring game, I was, you know, he talked about it there. Uh, the, the big thing for him was, hey, learning – more of the the steps that he has to take and positionally where he needs to be lined up and just everything that goes into the coverage element of it you know coverage wise I thought he looked pretty good in the spring game and that was probably one of the big things the, the biggest thing that I wanted to see from Desan McCullough. Well, and, uh, Micah Parsons also doesn't have a voice like Desan McCullough has I cannot get enough of that <laughs> great voice great tone to it he is He's got a radio uh, voice yes he does he, he could hop in here tomorrow but dude just so much length at 6-5 from Desan McCullough uh, just he could play anywhere on the field cheetah you can get him around the edge as an edge rusher so pretty excited about him for the Sooners defense what about the other cheetah going out the door Justin Harrington, Justin Harrington. Next, after a final TO it's the plank show one final time next right here on the ref it's the home of Sooner fans just mere moments before we call it a wrap right here on the plank show fun Wednesday show man we got a, a ton of great interaction today from you the ref army on the text line on the phone lines so appreciate you guys today. One final OU Camp uh, update for you before we get out of here. Presented by Neutral Vodka Seltzer. How about a little bit from Justin Harrington who was asked, hey, are you uh, where you want to be this offseason? 
Um, it's still it's still a lot to grow, but um, yes, I, I feel comfortable and um, just uh, again learning everybody what everybody's job is, learning what you know the Will Backer's job, and you know talking to Danny and, and learning what the free safety and strong safety's job is. You know, kind of helps me with my job and, and it makes me more versatile. Just uh, for coach to throw me out there if uh, somebody goes down, I can I can play all three safety positions, counting the cheetah, quote unquote, and, and you know everything else. So, more like a linebacker or a safety? Um. What do you feel like? I feel more like a safety, but um, I mean, hybrid, like, I mean, I can play inside the gaps. I can play on the perimeter. I, I mean, I have no trouble in man coverage. You know, I pride myself on man coverage a lot. You know, uh, covering the half field, co taking, closing the field in the post. You know, I, I really can, you know, feel comfortable doing everything. Spring doing some of that, right? Continue the transition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just uh, doing doing everything pretty much. Well, doing it. I mean, is that exciting to be able to play different positions? Yeah, just um, really just it's exciting for me just being just my my role changing, uh, um, being more of a leader. Last year, kind of just had to be more of a vocal leader and you know mentally take that um, break that mental barrier down. Just even though I wasn't playing as much, just helping the guys, knowing I do know my job and knowing I I still do know football and helping the guys that coach does trust and does put out on the field. I could still uh, play a big part, you know what I'm saying, on, on the defense. There you go, a little cheetah squared here to close things up on a Wednesday. And that's it for us, for uh, my man Connor over there on the other side of the glass. That's uh, Connor Pasby. I'm Josh Elmer. Until next time, uh, I guess one final time here for you, all of our OU camp coverage presented by Neutral Vodka Seltzer. Hour number three, it's brought to us by Mop and Roofing. They got you covered, Oklahoma. Appreciate Mop and Roofing as well. And until tomorrow, we're out of here. So long, everybody.